Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of Mark, chapter number 16. And while you're finding that, I'm so thankful for our worship team that has came in these different circumstances, but they haven't allowed that to affect them. They've came, worshiped the Lord, and given of themselves, and I think they've did it with a spirit of excellence. So I appreciate them very much. And also, all of those that are involved with the media and the sound I appreciate them coming and helping us during this time. Gospel of Mark, chapter number 16. I want to begin reading there with verse number 1, and I'll read down through verse number 8. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very, very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they had looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened, or they were afraid. And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid." And I, I want to center our attention around verse 5. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man, we know that this was an angel, sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. And so for the next few moments, I want to focus our remarks around that particular message that was given to these three ladies. And I want to entitle this, if I may, an angelic announcement, an angelic announcement. All Bible readers know that through the scripture, God used angels to make special announcements on many, many different occasions. In Genesis chapter number 14, 
an angel brought a message of judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. In Judges chapter 13, an angel announces the birth of Samson. In Luke chapter number 1, an angel announces the birth of John the Baptist and the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Luke chapter number 2, an angel announces the actual birth of Christ. So often when God was ready to send a special announcement, he sends an angel. The announcement of the angel in our text is a proclamation of hope. It's a message of hope. Because as you understand, the followers of Jesus had just came through, I suppose, the greatest crisis that they had ever been through. They had just experienced the most disappointing situation that they'd ever experienced in their lives with the crucifixion of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me digress for just a moment and set the scene here for this particular setting of Scripture because a lot has happened in a brief period of time. While Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas leads a group of officers from the chief priest, the Sanhedrin, to where Jesus is, and he betrays him with a kiss. And after Jesus is arrested and tried before the high priest Caiaphas, then he is drugged before Pilate in Pilate's hall and further interrogated. And initially, Pilate did not want to involve himself in this matter and sends him to the king of the Jews, which was Herod. And Herod proceeded to ridicule and degrade and mock him even more but having no real authority to give him a Roman crucifixion or to convict him of anything, he sends him again to Pilate. And Pilate, wanting to wash his hands of the entire situation, allows the people to have their way with Jesus. And they took him, the Scripture says, and they nailed him to a rugged hewn cross where he spent the next six hours agonizing. His pain and his suffering indescribable. His shame and his rejection was unfathomable. It was pain that you and I should have suffered. It was shame that you and I should have experienced. It was a debt that was really meant for you and I to pay. His rejection, it was rejection that you and I should have rightfully received. Yet he is fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah had prophesied about many, many years before. He was prophesying about the things that would take place with the Messiah and his crucifixion as being that sacrificial lamb, as a savior for his people. And he says in 53 and verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And when and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, 
He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Out of his intense love for souls, out of his intense love for you and I, he suffered the cruel death of the cross. He subjugated himself to ridicule and to punishment and pain that no one should have to endure, much less the one that is guilty of no sin at all. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians chapter number 2 and verse 6 through 8, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I note those last few words, even the death of the cross. Because there was no more humiliating way. There was no more horrific way for a person to die than to die the death of a cross. After Jesus' death on the cross, we know that it was Joseph of Arimathea who went to Pilate and the Scripture says begged the body of Jesus. And after properly preparing his body, wrapping it in fine linen, he placed it in a tomb. And the Scripture says after the Sabbath had passed because there was no work to be done on the Sabbath these ladies could not come earlier to the tomb, so they waited till after the Sabbath had passed. And very early, or at first light, at the first opportunity, in other words, eagerly, these three men or these three women made their way to the tomb where Jesus was, or where they thought him to be, to anoint the body of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James and Salome. And as they made their way up this path, they were pondering among themselves how it was that they were going to move the stone that lay over the opening of the tomb. This is a part of the story that we often fail to focus upon, but I think it says a great deal about the character of these three women. You see, when they made the decision to anoint the body of Jesus, there's no evidence that they were focused at all upon the obstacles that they might encounter when they got there. In fact, there's no evidence that this great stone at the entrance of the tomb ever entered their minds. They were just going to do their service unto the Lord not even considering the challenges that they would face 
or that might stand before them. I think this is a very admirable trait of these ladies. They were coming to anoint the body of Jesus. And really, until they almost arrived at the tomb, they had gave no thought to any obstacles that would stand in their way to do this service unto the Lord. The difference between embalming and anointing you, like I, have probably thought about this scripture and thought that what they were doing was some type of embalming procedure or something akin to that. But as you study this, you'll find that, that embalming was an Egyptian procedure. It was not something the Jews did. They anointed their dead. We know in just a couple of chapters before this incident that I've read to you from this morning, that in Mark chapter 14, there was a lady that came into a place where Jesus was having fellowship with his disciples and a few others. And she came and washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And she took an alabaster box, the Bible says, and she anointed Jesus with this precious ointment that was very costly. And Jesus made this statement about her. He said, let her alone because there were those that had indignation and they accused her of using this expensive ointment and wasting it. And she said, or he said of her, she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. And so these ladies have come with sweet spices. In other words, they have come to sweeten up this terrible situation that has occurred in their lives. These ladies were trying or endeavoring through their service of anointing the Lord's body. They were going to make this situation more bearable or tolerable and endurable. Again, I like people that when they show up, they don't make things worse, but they make things better. They make the situation sweeter. But when they arrived, the stone, the scripture said, had been rolled away. And when they entered into the tomb, they saw what appeared to be a young man. We know him to be an angel. And this angel spoke to them and said, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. You're not you're not at the wrong place. This, this is the place where they laid the crucified body of Jesus. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the evidence, the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell. I think that's so good. I think that is something that all of us, especially you and I, as saints of God need to tell this world in the midst of all that it's facing right now and the challenges, the heartache, the pain that it's experiencing, we need to tell this world that we know Him that is alive. We know Him that is resurrected, that He is risen, that He's not in a tomb, but He's alive and able to redeem and able to save the souls of men. What an announcement. What a message of hope that was delivered. And this amazing angelic announcement, this message of hope was given 
to these women at perhaps. And, and I just want to give you a few things concerning this announcement before we conclude here this morning. This announcement was given to women at perhaps the worst time of their lives. They had witnessed the cruel death on the cross. They had watched him gasp for his last breath of air. They had seen him writhe in agony. They had witnessed and they were there to hear him utter his last words, it is finished. And the past few days, their world has literally been turned upside down. In the last few days, their lives have crumbled and fell to pieces. And during this terrible season of their lives, this angel gives them a message of hope. Isn't that just like the Lord? Isn't that just like He does so often in our lives? When we think it's over, when we feel hopeless, when we've suffered stinging disappointments in our lives, when we feel like there's nowhere to go from here, He sends us a message of hope and reminds us that He's in control. And reminds us that he will fulfill his promises in our lives. That he has not forsaken us. And that we don't stand in this place alone. So at the worst time of the worst period of their lives. After all the experience over the last few days. This angel is sent by God to give them a message of hope. And that's not all. This message of hope came to them Perhaps not only at the worst time, but also in the worst place. Can you imagine? They're standing there in a place of death, a cemetery, a graveyard, a burial ground. This is where people come for closure. This is where people accept that this is the end. This is far as it goes. And this is where we say goodbye forever. But not so in these circumstances this was a place where the future looks bleak and it seems that all is lost. This is the place of an accepted end. But there, this is where the angel announces the message of hope and life in the worst possible place humanly. The scripture tells us that the message of life is given to these that have come expecting to anoint the body of Jesus. And this is an example of just how the gospel works in all of our lives. This tomb had received the dead body of Jesus, but in a short period of time, it yielded life, the resurrected Jesus Christ. How many times does this happen in church services? How many times do we come People come. Humanity comes. Dead and trespasses of sin. Maybe there's those that are listening to me right now that you, you can identify with what I'm talking about. You've experienced it yourself. You came and your life was dead because of sin. 
sin had taken its toll upon you and the curse of sin, which is death, was over your life. But aren't you so thankful to hear this morning that though we were dead in the trespasses of sin, that a message came to us that there was hope and that now we experience life and life more abundantly. Can I preach to somebody that feels hopeless? Can I preach to somebody that feels like this is the end? Feels like there is nothing to look forward to? Or where do I go from here? That life seems like it's not worth living anymore. Can I tell you until you came to an altar? Until you've repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And death has been washed. I'm talking about eternal death has been washed off of you through the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And you've received the power of life, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost. That is what life is. That is life abundantly. It may seem hopeless at the moment, but I'm telling you there's hope through Jesus Christ. You need to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. And as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, we're also reminded of our own personal resurrection from sin when it seemed like we were destined to die in sin. We were destined to die and go into judgment and have no hope at all. There is a Savior that we met along the way. A message was delivered to us of hope. And we now understand that that sin is not where it's at. Out there in the world is not where it's at. But it's in living for Jesus Christ and experience the power of His Spirit. And through that we have hope. We have hope beyond this life. We have hope of eternity, of being with Jesus and living for Him, living with Him forever. That's not all. But finally, this message of hope was delivered to the least, the least likely people. You do understand that Mary Magdalene was among this group of ladies. And if you read on down from the text that I read to you from and go beyond the 8th verse into the ninth verse there, you will see that Mary Magdalene had a very bad past that she had overcome through the help of Jesus. In fact, the Scripture doesn't whitewash it. It says that she had been delivered of seven devils. Seven devils had been cast out of her. In other words, she was oppressed of spirits. She was possessed of spirits of hell. They controlled her life. She had no real real control of the things that she was doing and the things that she was bound by. But she met Jesus and He delivered her and set her free. And perhaps that's why she felt the loyalty to Him that she did. To come at this time when others had forsook and others had fled and others had ran away. She is making her way to the place where they had laid, or she thought that Jesus would be. And the Scripture tells us 
that this is who the angel made this first announcement to, that he is not here, but he is risen. Maybe, maybe I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. You feel unworthy. You feel the least likely. You feel like, why do I deserve a message of hope? But I'm going to tell you that if Mary Magdalene could receive this message, you can receive this message today. If he cared enough about Mary Magdalene to deliver her a message of hope and to save her from the things that bound her and the things that incarcerated her spirit, if he cared enough about her to set her free and then at this low moment in her life, if he cared enough to allow her to be one of the first to receive the message of hope that he had done what he said he would do and rose on the third day just as he had promised, then I want to tell you that he cares about you also and that he's concerned about your need. And I understand and I just want to help somebody here today that maybe you feel a little impatient. Maybe you, you, over the last few days, you felt anxiety growing in your heart. Is this, is this really it? Is this, is this the conclusion? Is this the way life is going to end for me? Is, is there anything beyond these current circumstances and the crisis that we're involved in? And when is the Lord going to offer me hope? Maybe you've been praying for a change in your life. You've been desiring help to come to you. Can I reveal to you through the scripture that these particular ladies, maybe the reason why they were the first to receive this announcement was the fact that they were there for the crucifixion. Again, while the disciples and some of the others that followed him had ran away and fled to their homes and locked themselves away in fear, the Bible says that they stayed faithful and they stayed there throughout the six hours of agony that he experienced on the cross. They were there to watch until his last breath was drawn. And then they were there at his burial, they watched and they were a witness to where the body of Jesus had been placed because they had these intentions of coming back and anointing the body of Jesus as was the Jewish custom. And so in other words, these people remained faithful. These three ladies, through the greatest crisis of their life, through the greatest turmoil and storm that they had ever experienced in all of their living days, they remained faithful. They endured through it. And in the end, when it felt like all hope had been sucked out of their lives, suddenly a message came. He is not here any longer. You can rest assured that he has done just exactly what he said he would do. But he is risen. Maybe you're listening and you're experiencing the worst time you've ever experienced. There is a message of hope for you. You're experiencing the worst or you're in the worst place that you have ever been in in your life. There is a message of hope for you. Or perhaps you feel the least likely. Oh, I want to tell you there is a message of hope for you this morning. 
can I tell you just hold on there is a message that is coming to you today that tells you that he's alive that he is able and that he can minister to your need he is concerned about you just like he was concerned about Mary Magdalene and he gave her hope can I tell you as the musicians come today and we prepare to conclude this Easter morning service that a few weeks ago we would have never imagined would be like this. I suspected that I would come and preach to one of our largest crowds of the year. But now I stand in this building and I feel like this is all ordained of God and this is all in the control of God. But I'm delivering the same message as I would if this building was full. Because I know that there's people that are out there that are listening that need hope, that need to understand that they have a God that will fulfill His promise in your life and that will minister to you where you are. And though you may not feel at this very moment worthy, I want to tell you it's not us. We don't, we don't get good to get God. But we get God in our lives. And it's through His blood washing us and His Spirit infilling us that we become through His grace good. And we become better people. And He saves us. I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord. But if you're listening and you're not prepared for the coming of the Lord, I want to tell you and give you a message of hope that you can experience life today yourself. You can experience hope today yourself. If you have a need in your life, would like to be baptized, would like someone to pray for you, someone to give you counsel, don't hesitate to call this church, Landmark Pentecostal Church, located at 2905 Texas Boulevard in Texarkana, Texas. Our number, office number is 903-794-6201. And we're available to pray with you. We've already seen a couple of people baptized during this particular crisis. I'm hungry to see revival. I'm hungry to see hope given to a world that needs it. God is able to do that. As they begin to sing and worship the Lord, let's take this message into our hearts. And let's celebrate the risen Savior today.